We're live on Twitch, but you may also be watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify, iTunes or any good podcast provider. Uh, if you're watching on Twitch or YouTube, you'll see that we've got a pretty full house today, which is exciting. Uh, lots of opinions in the room and lots of different topics to talk about. I'll start by introducing my co-host going all the way back to the OG. Uh, John Miller joins us. How are you, John? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad, Dan. Yeah, exactly. Oh, gee. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's yeah, a lot, lot, lot of episodes, a lot of eps. But yeah, now feeling good, happy to be here. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Uh, all well. Um, we're also joined by Mr. Greg Hollands. Greg TMR, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Dan. Glad to be back. Where are you? Spurs number there? New Spurs yeah, number? Uh, yeah, I've got the training kit. Nice, isn't it? It's all right. Top of the league. Always feels a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> Always fits slightly better, doesn't it, when you're uh, the top of the are coming out now. Um, Tom Nuttall Jones joins us wearing a uh, sky blue number. There is that Man City kit. Uh, not, <laughs> not for one second. Uh, tribute to the great man we lost this week. Mm. Um, but yeah, sad times. But uh, getting yeah, a stadium he's... named after him is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the uh, Napoli's grounds. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, which is a good, a fitting, nice... tri fitting tribute. Yeah, nice gesture. Um, I think the the response across football has been pretty respectful, isn't it, to uh, to Maradona this week? Except uh, from Shilton. Except from Shilton, yeah. And I saw there was some, uh, I think, a South American women's game where someone sat down and turned their back on the uh, the minute silence for it out of protest as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll probably not dwell on that too much. Uh, so we've got two extra. Uh, hosts or guests joining us today um first up john aldino returning for your third show i think it is with us or fourth third or fourth third or fourth you're joining us from springfield um <laughs> what state is springfield in i think it's illinois <laughs> is it illinois i think yeah, they've always is. kept it quite uh quite a mystery uh so you can't can't find out but uh you are actually in the states for real though right yeah i mean in greensboro north carolina Hopefully for the next couple of weeks, and nice. I should be moving back to London. Nice. We look forward to that, and we can have you. Uh, we can have you live on, in our time zone, and and it won't be too difficult to uh, to link up. And then also joining us, um, I've kept you till last there. Um, I apologise, uh, but we're joined by Mr. Neil Jolliffe. Um, Neil, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, Dan. Um, thanks for having me along. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a pleasure to come along. I've I've listened a little bit. Um, and yeah, like I, I nice little stitch up the other week when you said that I was thinking <laughs> um, yeah. bit of a manufactured beef that you've got uh, you're trying to push there a little well, bit. Well, so yeah. But I'd come on and show Greg some love. Yeah, well there's been set I mean there were several fights obviously that happened over the weekend. Um, and you know, YouTube boxing is a big thing at the moment so maybe you and greg will be fighting uh <laughs> early on in uh 2021 um, we'd be more than happy to see that about uh happening but yeah um i'm glad that you're actually on the show because um i feel like fulham i still see fulham as a championship team although we got a fantastic win tonight i do still kind of you know regard us in in that that kind of uh that kind of league and, and you're a, a reading fan i believe a fellow yo-yo club maybe yeah well we're the, the best team ever in in the football league with 106 points but um yeah no to be to oh be, right in the football league okay <laughs> um, <laughs> i haven't i haven't a horse in your in in your race but mm. um i do have a couple of soft spots so um yeah that'll probably come out throughout but um yeah, yeah, I should mention then um, our first point here is is the early game this evening. Uh, 5.30 kickoff between Leicester and Fulham. Um, going into this, Tom, I was playing some Warzone with you at the time. I was I was probably anything but optimistic of a result. Getting um, excited. But anyway, back to football. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we, we went in 2-0 at halftime. Um, which was a surprise. Adam Ola Lookman got the opener and Ivan Cavallero stepped up to take a penalty, um, obviously after slipping and, and making a mess of his last attempt from the uh, from the penalty spot. And yeah, we went in at 2-0. Harvey Barnes got a late uh, kind of I don't know, a con consolation goal, I guess it is, at the end of the game. But at the time, it was um, quite important. And 
funnily enough, I don't know if anyone saw the game, but Mitrovic actually had a chance to score from way inside his own half, a la Xabi Alonso, um, and opted not to take uh, the shot, which was quite disappointing because I think that would have been uh, that would have been a big confidence boost for him. But I mean, did anyone did anyone here in on on the uh, on the pod expect that result? Did you expect Leicester to be dropping? Um, you know, all three points at home to Fulham tonight. John Miller, I come to you as I came to you first with the intro. <clears throat> no, not a chance. Uh, I thought that was, um, it's almost kind of like, you know, how many goals, how many goals, what's it going to be? You know, what's the, what's the score? Is it going to be three? Is it going to be two? Um, Fulham have been a little bit under par um, <laughs> this season. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I was expecting a, you know, if, if there was a penalty, I was expecting Vardy's name on it, uh, yes. not Cavalero's. So, uh, yeah, they, you must be buzzing. That, that's that's definitely a good confidence boost because I have watched a few Fulham games and they have been, although they have been a bit dreadful, there's soon as some other games where they've actually been quite unlucky. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just when I, was, I didn't actually watch the game, but when I saw the final result, I was a little bit, I was a little bit quite happy, quite happy for Fulham to finally, you know, to, to get that win and get someone to score on the penalty yeah i think that's very important i mean this year has, has been we know there's been some crazy results already but um you know that leicester team there's very few differences in that team there's a few injuries at the back um but obviously that leicester team beat man city you know two months ago 5-2 at the etihad and then fulham turn up and 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 beat them at home is this just Yet again, um, you know, a, a result of of this Premier League where home home away, you know, there's no there's no uh, advantage, I think, to where you play anymore. Um, and yeah, what what why has the Premier League become this league where you know teams are so inconsistent and and the best team in the league can can lose to a team and then that team get beaten by some would say the worst team in the league, but I would say it's West Brom. Uh, Greg, come to you on that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think it is anyone's game. Uh, home and away, basically non-existent anymore. The only sort of factor with that is, I suppose, the exhaustion of if you've got a team who are playing in Europe who are a London club and they've got to travel up to Newcastle on the weekend. That's probably the only factor that remains at this point. Um, yeah, no, credit to Fulham. I'm, I like watching them play sometimes. I admire the sort of tactic. Mm-hmm. I watch them against Everton and they play like they want to attack and they, they play like they've got strikers that can do damage. Yeah. And yeah, you know, it's, it's nice to see them not just shithousing and nil-nil. They've been involved in some really interesting games this season. And this is a really good result for them. And yeah, I'm happy to see it. Yeah, I think, I think the biggest problem has been we've just been on the back foot for like probably 80% of the minutes played this so far this season. I mean, especially that Everton game, we conceded in like 40 seconds um, to Calvert-Lewin. And uh, it made a big difference today because we showed that we can actually kind of hold a lead uh, and control a game if we get into that position. Um, but that is, that's uh, easier easier said than done. Um, the other game, uh, Neil, what's the other game happening uh, at the moment? Uh, West Ham Villa, I believe. West Ham Villa, uh, it's currently 1-0 uh, to West Ham. Let's quickly get our predictions then at this point of the show for what we think that result will go through. As there's no Ross Barkley today. I think he's injured. Connor uh, Hurahan comes in. Interestingly, um, Hurahan is getting his 150th start for, or his 150th appearance for Aston Villa today, which is crazy because it seems like only yesterday he was playing for, I think it was Barnsley they brought Barnsley. him in from. Um, but yeah, so uh, Tom, prediction for that game? 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. Uh, John Aldinho? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't care. Yeah. Go for the nil-nil. <laughs> um, you care about the Claret and Blue Derby. Uh, Neil, what's um, your... Oh, okay, no, here you go. I don't, sorry. No, you're good, you're good. Neil? Yeah, I mean, to be fair... No, I, I forgot it's even on. Um, probably 1-0. 1-0. Uh, Mr. John Miller? I think it'll stay as it is, 1-0. 1-0. And then, all right, finally, Tom? Did we already get your prediction? <laughs> Sorry, Greg, Greg, Greg. <laughs> Greg, get mixed up. Uh, I think 
3-1 Aston Villa. 3-1 Aston Villa. You're seeing a big comeback on the cards. Okay, interesting. Um, right, let's uh, let's get on to the weekend's action. Um, and first up, we'll talk about the uh, Liverpool result, um, which was a game that ended uh, 1-1. Tom, we'll come to you on this if you talk us a little bit through... Um, the game itself and, and how that kind of played out and, and uh, yeah, what you thought of that. Yeah, well, I didn't actually watch it with it being on BT, uh, which I'm sure we'll be getting to. <laughs> um, but uh, by the sounds of things, we were a little slow to start and a little, uh, found it a little tricky to get a, get a control in the midfield at the start, um, probably as a, a result of starting Minamino um, mm. in there, maybe in, in place of another midfielder. So we really only had a two um which is obviously quite bold away from home um obviously brighton missed the penalty and then i think we got a bit more of a grip on the game um and then from what i hear probably a borderline penalty at the end um which what, the, prob- the, the one that was given the, the one that they scored yeah um which obviously lent itself to jürgen's uh, unhappiness at the end of the game. Um, well, that Stonewall penalty. Yeah, that <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it went to VAR. Obviously, it went to VAR again. Um, similar, there was a similar penalty given in the Fulham game this evening. Uh, and there was almost a carbon copy of that as well in the, uh, I think it was Inter Milan uh, came back uh, at the weekend from 2-0 two, two down to eventually win 4-2. They had a very similar penalty given as well. And it does seem like those instances maybe just kind of went under the radar before because they are completely, they're accidental in in nature. No one's, you know, Robertson's not trying to kick Welbeck's foot in that moment. And I think, I don't know, is that, is that something that players are almost conditioned to not react to that like a penalty, but then does, is it still a penalty is I guess the question. I think now like the, players know that it's it's going to be done by the letter of the law. Mm. So it's like contact player goes down and then uh, someone on VAR is looking at it and it's almost like they've got that on a checklist and then it's like yeah. equals penalty. And I, th- I honestly do think that the the delay in the contact and the actual moment of Welbeck hitting, hitting the deck was, <laughs> was quite exaggerated. And I'm surprised like not more has been made of it, but obviously he's not like a high profile player I know it's you know it's cliche, but if like Salah or if Salah or, or Harry Kane did, like had that delayed response to contact and didn't go down or went down, sorry, it would be it would be a talking point on match of the day. And yeah, like I say, players know now that it's not just like a referee's view of like that looks like a foul or that doesn't look like a foul. It's almost like a robotic process of like there's been contact hmm. and then a player has gone down. Well, then in that case, it has to be a penalty and we have to give it. So yeah, it was borderline. I mean, obviously it's a clumsy, it's clumsy from Robertson, but I don't think that gets given like pre-VAR. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's frustrating, um, but is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, technically, two point. I mean, Liverpool. So yeah, you know, any result that doesn't end in a win is is a, a a loss of points and two points drop. But as you mentioned, the results, or as we'll come on to throughout the podcast, results over the weekend ended up going quite well um, for Liverpool, and especially the Fulham result tonight as well is is another result that's actually not too bad for Liverpool at the top of the table. Um, so post-match interview on uh, BT Sport, uh, Des Kelly, uh, who at the time I, I probably wouldn't have been able to identify as, as Des Kelly if if, uh, if uh, you said, who is this doing this interview? Um, but yeah, Des Kelly has an interview with uh, Jurgen Klopp and it kind of took, I guess, a different route to what we would expect in those post-game, um, in those post-game interviews where it's very scripted and and we see um managers kind of just going with sound bites and getting through it and and also i don't know it it'd be interesting to get you guys thoughts but 
is there a um a respect line there that was crossed between the journalist and the talent i guess or the manager um neil i'll come to you on this one i mean what what was your thoughts on the interview itself to begin with anyway i yeah i've got a bit of a soft spot for clock but um i agree with him to a certain extent i think um i think you guys talked talk about it previously on previous shows and um football sort of eating itself a little bit at the moment i think like there's so much football on at the moment um there's been no lessons learned from the pandemic from last season still trying to squeeze in as much football as we had last season into a smaller amount of time and i don't i don't just mean um international football because i know mm -hmm. you guys have spoke about that but i think the league cup like what, what's the point of the league cup like why is it there um i don't, I don't know um i think like him singling out wilder was a bit i don't know if he should have like there was i think there was like four managers that voted against the five substitute rule so i don't know he's dug out wilder a little bit there and he probably shouldn't have named names um but i think he has got a point i think i think you guys have spoken about it but why do, why are we so brexit sometimes like we're the only league we're the only league in in europe or something stupid like that, that hasn't adopted five subs so I, yeah i don't know it's yeah yeah um john ardino any any thoughts on um so i mean if anyone didn't ha hear the interview i guess the argument that was being or the the debate i guess that was put forward uh was that the broadcasters are as much at fault as anyone else yeah, so basically i don't know he's back sorry yeah, yeah i he's dropped out <laughs> <laughs> There we go. I mean, you have to bear in mind, probably, if I'm not, if my connection's not coming through, then the, it won't be going through to Twitch either. But we're good now, I think. So, yeah, John Aldinho, come back to you. Yeah, so I think you've got to deal with it. I mean, you can complain all you want, but, you know, you're in England. You know what it's like here. Um, I think regardless if there's, you know, three or five subs, everyone's in the same boat. You know what I mean? Deal with it. Um and I think the English FA should have done stuff like with, um, you know, the FA Cup and the Carlin Cup or whatever the, the other cup's called now. Like, <laughs> do they really need to go on this season? Um, it's like, it used to be for, like, the, the lower league teams, you know, it would help them get, like, gate receipts and stuff. But if they're not getting money now, then, you know, just, yeah. just hold off on it for a year. Um, and then... Like Neil said, the um, international, international, um, but they're basically pointless. Like, what's the they doing this? I haven't really been a fan of them in the past, and you know, all this like revamping and trying to do a nations league and war is still BS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's. A, I mean, it is a difficult transition, and it's. Uh, I think there is all that you know, unknown this whole year has been a, a case of no one really knows what's happening. And I think football is also trying to adapt to that. And, and a lot of it feels a bit like damage limitation in, in some aspects where they're trying to hold on to things and keep things as normal as possible in the hope that this kind of was supposed to go away three or four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months ago. Um, but yeah, it's getting to the stage now where we are seeing the negative side and the repercussions of playing this much football uh constant you know there's at the moment there is football on every single day if you want to watch football it's on right now like it's there's no two ways about it and um i think uh john i, th I think i might have got cut off when i was actually making the point but um i think des kelly and, and jürgen klopp kind of had a bit of a, a debate around the broadcaster's influence um in selecting the top teams and then inevitably you get the top teams play in europe so you're you, there's almost like a catch-22 situation where funnily enough bt sport also have the rights to the champions league so they're getting viewership on the champions league for you know liverpool fans tuning in on a wednesday and then they're also 
selecting or you know there's this debate whether it's the premier league or bt sport that are selecting this midday kickoff on a saturday is there a simple fix here where they just say you know if you are playing if you're a team that plays in europe you don't play on saturdays anymore or does that create a kind of a a, a bad fan experience or a bad user experience for people watching premier league on saturdays like is are the rest of the teams there you know, would would you want to watch Burnley versus Fulham at twelve o'clock on a Saturday? That's the question. John, who's that for me? John Miller. John Miller. On oh, me, Mills. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 question. Total silence. <laughs> <laughs> Can you? <laughs> um, yeah. Listen, listen. I just think I agree with, with John Adelio on this one. I think Greg shares the same same sentiment. They've got to deal with it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Don't you worry. When you, when you, now there's all these injuries and stuff. I I do simplify, I do simplify, simplify, whatever the right word is. I do simplify with them because obviously you look at Liverpool, there's players getting injured. It's not just Liverpool either, you know? Um, So it is, it it is tough. And if they did have five subs or whatever, um, then yeah, they could rotate, you know, maybe some people off it. Um, you know, 60 minutes and, you know, and then we might get to see a, a, a few more, uh, you know, up and coming players come through um, and, and, and uh, get a bit more game time. But in terms of the, the top seven or whatever it is who qualify for the Champions League, they get money for that. So when they, mm. you know, they get prize money, winners money. So they then should use that money to then, you know, sort out their squads, make sure that, you know, that they, they can rotate. They've got the quality in their squads because they're prepared for it. When the season starts, they've got their targets. You know, you know, Wolves, Leicester, you know, Liverpool, Arsenal, whatever. Oh, Arsenal, not sure, but they, they always, they'll, they'll aim to get in a, uh, in a European places. That's their aim. So they can't, you can't moan when you get there. Yeah. Um, and and then say, oh, you know, yeah, I, you know, I'm not, yeah, it's not fair. Players get injured Wednesday. Saturday and yeah I think that would be dreadful if they moved it all to Sunday because then you know you'd there'd be like no real top marquee games on a Saturday um like you say who's gonna watch you know West Ham Villa at 12 o'clock kickoff like I think if when those games are um when they've got those games if Liverpool have those games they should be able to rotate his squad effectively to ensure that you know you're not playing Robinson 90 minutes for, for both games you know what I mean um, but that, that's how I feel. I think they they get the money for it. They should they should manage their squads a lot better. Um, I will say though, I do agree with Klopp to a point. This season is slightly different. So he's saying, I, I did see the argument and the debates. So he's saying like overall, I get it. You know, last season, you know, wasn't wasn't moaning as much about it. But this season, with COVID and the, and the lack of uh, preseason, um, maybe they could have done something. So so he was saying, which I agree with. Couldn't, why couldn't they get to five thirty? You know, or Arsenal mm. played at Arsenal played at seven forty-five or eight. Why couldn't why couldn't Liverpool play play? Uh, no, Arsenal played on Sunday. Sorry, my bad. There was a there was. I'm not sure what game was. Uh, uh, Man United. No, no, they were on Sunday as well. Uh, we'll fact but check you, that. You... Yeah, but either way, I I do agree with that. They could have said right, and also they should probably kind of factor in where where they are, how far the travel is, and all the rest of it. And then maybe yeah, an extra few hours um, for a televised game uh, would would have would be beneficial for a Champions League team um, for sure. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a fixture of note actually on the evening. It was West Brom Sheffield, which is I argue the the worst game in the league. Greg, <laughs> you had some uh, points to make on this. With yeah, regard yeah. To uh, well, I think I said it to you earlier, Dan. Is that it seems like every week we do this podcast and every week we have uh, every weekend we have a weekend of football. It seems like the last topic of conversation is the actual 90 minutes that's played each time. Brighton played really well. They deserved a point there. Probably should have gone up probably two nil in the first half, really. Liverpool are looking a little bit more toothless this season and, you know, Brighton played really well. And it's just a shame that we're not talking about that. We're sort of culpable of that ourselves here. I, suppose there's a there's an argument to what Klopp is saying, but this isn't anything new, really. For as long as I've been watching football, there's been European games midweek and then Premier League in the weekends. It mm. does happen. And, you know, 
Liverpool are getting injuries, teams are getting injuries, and I imagine COVID is having an effect on that. But the clubs also agree to when the fixtures are as well. So they're equally culpable, and I suppose they follow the money in that, that respect. So I stand by my point and agree with John, John Aldinho, and the fact that I struggle to really sympathise with it. Yeah, no, thanks, fair enough. I mean, fixtures at the moment as well are not really... Con- I know they're congested in terms of you look at it, over the lack of break but teams are playing maybe two games a week the the real when we usually talk about fixture congestion it's like oh so and so's got to play five times in 14 days or something like that which is usually over the christmas period um so i do wonder if you know if 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 klopp and solskjaer and and all these managers are complaining now about fixture congestion what what is it going to be like when when december you know mid-december rolls around and uh, i'm just looking now at the uh fixtures coming up around that time liverpool play on the the 9th the 13th the 16th the 19th and then not until the 27th so it's like a game every three days yeah 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 um, so, um, there's no mid-season break, is there either this year or whatever it is? No, no, not that we really had that. But I don't, are they skipping that in Bundesliga and Tom? Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, got Christmas off, like a week basically off. That's right. It. Um, no, I mean, I, I said on a previous pod, uh, you know, I don't, agree, I don't agree with the five sub thing, and I don't, I don't support that. The sort of complaining about that because. I think the main point of it is that it would just be very like the question is like where when do you go back? Mm. And I think it opens up a bit of a Pandora's box of like okay, we had it for the sort of resumed season during lockdown. That was fair enough and then we made that decision to like go back to three subs and we could we could carry on with five subs indefinitely and there'd always be an argument against it based on player well-being. Hmm. whenever we decided to do that and i just think like it's better to not open that pandora's box where it's it's forever and we always have five subs um i think Klopp tried to make the argument that he said oh you know i'd only be doing it to like he said i'd be i'd definitely take robo off and i'd put on uh costas instead you know it's not it's not like to throw on another attacker yeah but it's still you're still refl- you're still not an improvement fresh- you're still freshening up your like you're still yeah. freshening up your team by throwing on another international mm. player mm-hmm. so i i do completely uh, i am completely against the five subs thing and i don't back clop on that but when it comes to the argument that you had about the tv rights um the thing i objected to is obviously des kelly and then all of the other like media employees like gary lineker especially and several others piping up on twitter like defending the honor of broadcasters and saying that they're you know support as des kelly put it in during the interview like supporting the game i think that's complete rubbish <laughs> you know they they you know whoever pays the piper calls the tune and they are just calling the tune um you know sky get the first pick of the weekend's games and obviously they pick spurs chelsea as the big game and then bt get the second pick and obviously they're more than entitled to pick whichever game they want as the current rules suggest but it's there should be you know some common sense that the product is obviously changed when there are all these injuries and even though as as other people have said tonight you know we we have always had european football we've always had teams that have to play wednesday saturday this year is a bit different because the champions league group stage is taking place over a vastly short period of time so usually you would have like every other week a champions league game at the moment it's every week so yeah i think klopp had a right people saying he's picked on the wrong person and obviously going after des kelly but it's a it's a public forum to obviously make that point if he just gives the call of bt sport a you know a bell on monday monday afternoon no one's giving no one's talking about it so i think he had every right to make that point um i can see obviously bt sport have every right in the current contract to like pick whatever game they want and obviously they want to pick liverpool but um yeah for the, for them for des kelly to claim that you know they're completely blameless and they're just supporting the game and you know they're not 
they don't have this influence, I think that's wrong. He's also deflecting that they drew, so you know. Mm. But he's but the thing the thing about that is that he he was saying the same thing last week, and him and Guardiola were both making the same point when they weren't even on the Wednesday Saturday. It was when when Man United were on it, um, and that and we we mentioned that on the pod, and I said, yeah, this week it's Solskjaer who's got every right to be annoyed because United were forced to play Wednesday Saturday, and I, so he's he's consistent. It's just obviously getting more traction this week because because we didn't win. Yeah. Is is there any chance that it is that kind of uh and I'm sure managers have been doing it for years. I, I think of Mourinho really as the as the master of it, but you know, when a result hasn't necessarily gone your way and, and I, I did think the one thing with Klopp this week, because usually like every game he comes out and says, Fantastic, best performance ever, um, so proud of the boys, like and genuinely like for the last what two years there has been like absolutely everything on the pitch has been given by that Liverpool team and I've I've thought that is the correct comment to make after the Brighton game I watched the entire game I thought Liverpool didn't have a good game and he still came out and uh, with the best performance ever well not best performance ever but you know so proud of the boys brilliant performance um I don't know like I, I did think so back to the point of of Jose here is is saying that saying something or changing the narrative to take it away from because no one's really no one's really talked about the Liverpool performance that much since like I say our our main point here talking about it on the podcast is Klopp's rant and what Klopp said afterwards and Des Kelly and the broadcasters etc cetera, etc cetera. like is that is that one of the oldest tricks in the book Neil for a manager to just kind of deflect and and take you know take personal um responsibility i guess in the media yeah i i think potentially yeah like definitely i think i've i've only watched it on match of day but if if my if that Mane offside or whichever one it was where he he pretty much was on site i don't know what happened with that salah I think salah's, scored, didn't salah's he? Yeah. yeah i mean that's two liverpool two now yeah won the game and how many times did they play badly last season and and win the and game win. yeah so i don't think you can read too much into it i know like it's a bit of a crazy season but um yeah like ultimately he's just quite annoyed i think because they've they've lost the points at the end of the game yeah yeah okay well we'll park uh our liverpool chat there for the week um next up is the man united game i guess um, to talk about they went 2-0 uh, down to a very good Southampton team um, Aston Villa by the way is 1-1 now uh, Jack Grealish scored 25 minutes um, so yeah Man United go uh, 2-0 down um, at St Mary's um, at half time uh, Solskjaer makes the substitution of Mason Greenwood off, uh, Edinson Cavani on. I think he was forced into also bringing Dean Henderson on for um, David De Gea, who was injured as a result of James Ward. Another incredible James Ward-Prowse um, free kick. Um, but yeah, Cavani kind of ends up changing the game, uh, gets an assist for Bruno Fernandes' goal, scores the equaliser 74 minutes, and then eventually gets uh, an added time um winner with his head again the um the headlines or the you know the, the headlines this morning are, are not really about um the result itself um it's been flipped on um a comment made by uh Cavani on his Instagram story which was in reference to Bruno Fernandez so he reposted Bruno, a Bruno Fernandez post and in in a kind of a message to Bruno um said gracias and then um I probably we won't actually say the word on here but the n word in Spanish is a very gray area here now um has has everyone seen the post itself um okay so it was the same word apparently that Luis Suarez had used um, with Evra um, <clears throat> back then. And the, and the translation um, I've spoken to a couple of 
Spanish speaking friends today and, and ask for kind of translations around it. And, and the translation is little black friend um, is the thing. And, and this, so this is Edinson Cavani saying that to Bruno Fernandez and correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Bruno's quite white. Um, he's got, he's maybe slightly tanned for Portuguese, but, and, and interestingly, this same word had come up in a, in a documentary about Maradona um, from this year where Maradona had actually said that that's what people refer to him as because he was slightly tan. So I, I mean, I don't know what the, you know, the, the cultural significance is with it in South America, but we had, um, players today like Troy Deeney, um, came, I think he was on talk sport this morning. Greg's that right. And he, and he said, you know, it's, um, it, it probably is deserving of some kind of punishment um we saw bernardo silva i think late on in the season last year um got a one game ban for a similar comment made on social media um, different context but a similar thing done on yeah. social media uh with mendy was it yeah yeah so mendy was wearing a black t-shirt and he said why are you clothes something like that i said what sorry why aren't you wearing a t-shirt Oh right, okay, yeah. On so yeah, a black top, and he asked yeah. why you were wearing a black t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this there's a basically another big race debate on now um, in the Premier League, and I'm not asking anyone to kind of take a stance on it. And I think we kind of agree that it is something that there's multiple layers of, of, of context here. And um, maybe one thing said in, in one moment is, is different in another, but um, I'll, I'll go. Yeah. Greg, you, you come in. Yeah. I don't want to throw someone under the bus. No, no. Yeah. You got you. Um, obviously I don't feel prepared enough to talk about the semantics of all of this that's going on. Obviously I don't think any of us are hundred percent fluent in Spanish. So probably don't sit in the same uh, so in the writers' or context to discuss that, but I think that my issue is that the the way that social media and the mainstream media have sort of jumped straight on this hmm. without discussing the context or talking about who Cavani is. By all accounts, he seems like a, a nice bloke, and the context of what he said to Bruno Fernandez. I don't think that there's a, enough nuance around it to talk about why is this a problem if it's a problem what was Cavani meaning and it's straight away a witch hunt of how long can we ban him for mm. for what he said and yeah I don't know about people's education on Spanish if people on social media are straight away going for it for the context that they're putting on it rather than the mm. true context around it that's my only problem right or wrong I think that it's bandwagoned on as a bit of a witch hunt straight away. I don't know if you guys agree with that. Yeah, 100%. And, like, just, just look at the context. He said it to Bruno Fernandes, who is, who is his friend, teammate, and, you know, there's nothing there's nothing racial in that. It's just, it's just a culture thing. I mean, I was saying in the group chat that, you know, when, when this Everett thing came out, Everett, Everett and Suarez thing came out, I actually looked up the word and apparently it's described for like people in um, South South Asia, uh, Philippines, um, and like you know Filipinos also called this word, but you know it's all about context. Yeah. So I like saying, making faces in the background. Um, but yeah, so um, it's all about context, man. If it would be different if you said it to to someone else. Yeah, yeah. If you posted it of Rashford, Martial, yeah. maybe a, a black player on his, on his team, it would it would yeah be different. Um, I think Troy Deeney alluded to the education factor there, and that there should be some kind of education given to you know maybe instead of punishment, it, it should be kind of like a public education given to Cavani. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, do you think like John? Do you think whenever a South American player comes to the Premier League now they should they should instantly kind of be sat down um and in some ways you you would think that the media kind of machines around these clubs and and they're they're so at the forefront of of all news and all sports and 
held at, you know such high scrutiny for everything they say and especially with former um cases of other high profile uruguayan players so the evra and suarez incident which involved the same word mm. i think um you know should should someone have really sat him down and said look here's a list here's a list of words that are just not acceptable in england um, um I, I think based on the like greg said the social media reaction to it the the sort of mainstream media reaction then yeah because you know that i think all footballers should have some form of mm. media training um i i know if i was running the club i would probably do that just because it just ha it's happening way too much now where you know players uh, are getting in trouble for you know things that they said or that sometimes there's a that it's not even okay take this park this incident but like people like share things they like things and i just think there maybe there should be some education and if i was a player going to another um another country to play i would want to sort of immerse myself in the culture and know what's right and what's wrong and what's acceptable um and i think yeah i do think that that um that could happen because that should happen because what might be acceptable language for for say me and john aldinho to talk behind mm -hmm. closed doors might not be acceptable for me to talk in the workplace um so i i, I do think um i do think that as, as trivial as it sounds or like you know every you know non-english speaker should come and get something i think the way out of the world it's the way of the world now it's, it's, it's the world it's the world we live in and I, and I do think that that's something that club should put in place otherwise this will not be the last yeah um i should add as well uh cavani has apologized um this afternoon so uh it was in here's the actual um apology so it was intended as an affectionate greeting to a friend thanking him for his congratulations after the game the last thing i wanted to do was cause offense to anyone i'm completely opposed to racism and deleted the message as soon as it was explained that it can be interpreted differently i would like to sincerely apologize for this um and then the fa responded to that saying it's clear to us that there's absolutely no malicious intent behind edinson's message and he deleted it as soon as he was informed that it would it could be uh misconstrued oh sorry that's a united statement not the fa um edinson has issued an apology uh for any unintentional offense caused manchester united and all of our players are fully committed to the fight against racism uh so yeah the fa will still look into it though and i i would expect that there will be some form of punishment given to him i'm not sure i think a one, i think he'd probably get the bernardo silver one game ban which i'm I not sure ridiculous. which is yeah. yeah i just think it's just ridiculous um neil any closing comments on cavani yeah well like everyone said i don't know enough about it um to to really give you too much comment, I think like with the FA, there's always precedent that, and this should be really looked at as a bit of an isolated incident, even though mm. the same word as what Suarez said, um, the contexts are so different. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a real tricky one. Um, and again, it's it's a shame that we're, we're chatting about something like this after he's- Yeah, good, he's, um, good performance. He's, he's come on and changed the game pretty much. Um, his movement was was pretty crazy and a lot of you know the merson brigade um are quite quiet at the moment because you know the paul merson pundits of the world would have said that he'd have been a flop and he's too old so um yeah i mean i think he's 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 um from what we know it looks like he's just made a mistake and hmm. yeah didn't mean it yeah as as greg mentioned you know for all we know he seems like a a, a good a good guy that's not um you know hasn't set out to uh to cause any offense um you mentioned that he's he's been really good this year and he, and and some had uh, deemed him to be a flop um another one of his psg teammates of of years past that has been very impressive um who we constantly mention on this podcast and i, I bring him up every week in the group chat but tiago silva um got another clean sheet this week yet another clean sheet at the back um he's 
organizing i think he looks like he's organizing that chelsea defense but pretty perfectly um alongside zuma and then whichever uh fullbacks that frank lampard seems to pick each week and obviously he's got this uh you know ridiculously good goalkeeper behind him now as well speaking um the same language as him as well or being able to speak french together i think which is helping a lot um greg this was a game um, that I think you were very excited for this weekend. You and John Aldinho had a lot of back and forth. Oh, was I excited? I'm in, uh, <laughs> you guys had a lot of back and forth in the uh, in the group chat before um, the game at the bridge. Um, did it play out kind of as you were expecting? Was it a, a better or worse game than, than you were hoping for? Right, it, it was positive back and forth, John Aldinho. It was positive. It was quite constructive, I feel. Uh, yeah, no, I think that... It, look, Jose went into that game, I think, potentially wanting to squeeze out a 1-0, but then towards the last 30 minutes, 20 minutes, it was, right, let's shut up shop. We're not getting anything from this. Um, I think we did well. We did well to, to maintain a clean sheet against Chelsea. They're a very, very good team. Um, we didn't really have a lot of attacking opportunities, and we didn't. when we did, we didn't really take them. But, you know, I think that's part of the tactics. We get a, a draw against Chelsea. You hopefully try and get a win against Arsenal next week. Uh, that looks a little bit more doable. And, um, yeah, we're top of the league. Top of the league, baby. I can't argue with that. Point to point to point. Mm-hmm. John Ardinho, what yeah, was your... You, um, <laughs> yeah, it was a good game. Um, very tense. I think I could feel um, Greg's nerves in the, in the chat. And I was the same way, especially when we weren't taking our chances. I thought it might just be a game where um, Tottenham could like steal steal a goal on the counter. But we were organised, which was good. And I don't remember Kane or Son doing much, and which was which is a, you know credit to the defence, like you said. And um, yeah, man, disappointed that we didn't score. Yeah, Chelsea certainly looked the more likely team to uh, snatch a result at the end, particularly that Giroud uh, chance right at the end where he sort of gambled on uh, Joe Roden's um, pass back to Lloris. Um, Tom, did you catch this game? Did you see any of this game? I didn't, unfortunately, but um, good result for us. <laughs> uh, both sides looking good, obviously, at the top. Uh, so, yeah, they definitely would have picked the draw uh, going into it. Um yeah, I think I think obviously both sides have shown like a huge, a huge amount of potential at both at both ends of the field so far this year, and obviously this game proves it. You know, nil nil is a pro- proper result, isn't it? Like a well, yeah. you know, well fought game. Um, it's almost more concerning that they've done that than if it was like four four. Yeah, like knows. well, they, these these are two circuses. We don't have much to worry about, but like you know, nil nil. It's a solid kind of. They've both cancelled each other out. Probably both two pretty solid sides that'll be up 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 there and thereabouts at the end of the season. Yeah, I agree. John John Miller, thoughts on the game? Yeah, yeah no, it, it was it was it played out to be could have been a one nil game either way, and it was just um, it was just unfortunate that well, from from the highlights that I saw that Chelsea Chelsea didn't get it. They looked to have the better chances. Um I think Tammy Abraham, Giroud, um I just think yeah, I think if I think Tammy Abraham I think he missed didn't he miss one? Miss a couple? Um Yeah. He yeah. had he had chances, yeah. Yeah, he had a few chances and I just think it just shows that he's not quite he's not quite there yet. Um and I think that I know although it was well thought out game, you know, both teams defensively solid. I think for Chelsea, for me, that just shows why I don't I don't think Chelsea can win the league this year. Um I just don't I don't think if um <coughs> if Werner's if, if team of what team of Werner's not banging in the goals, Werner, Werner, whatever however you say it, then I just uh, it does he doesn't seem to fancy Giroud week in, week out. Mm. And I guess his goal scoring record at Arsenal doesn't prove that he, he is he should be there anyway. Um and Tammy Abraham just for me is is he's not quite a top four striker in my opinion. So I just think if unless their midfield pull a few rabbits out of the hat, I think they'd probably will finish in the top four. But I think um I don't think that Chelsea can win the league with with uh, with Tammy Abraham and Giroud. 
Interesting. I mean, with uh, Pulisic and and Havertz kind of coming back into the um, into the squad and, and at full fitness, it would be interesting. Maybe if he if he does put Werner back into the central uh, striker position, but yeah, there, there's something there at the moment with Werner where he's not quite mm. at full confidence. I feel like he, he he looks, you know, he's in good condition and stuff, but. I think the confidence is not quite there with him yet, and it will be interesting to see if he can hit that, you know, the heights that he was at in in maybe in the Bundesliga. Um, Neil, what's your thoughts on on Chelsea particularly so far this season? Um, great squad. Yeah, decent. Um, obviously, you spoke um, excellently about how how good they've been at the back and stuff. I think. I don't know if anyone saw the Werner um, finish that was ruled out, but it was like peak Henri. It was a lovely little finish. Um, obviously, he was offside, but, um, you know, that one where he just sort of bends it. Yeah, bends yeah, it. yeah. Oh, no, it was lovely. Um, yeah, I think, I think, like you said, Thiago Silva was an unreal signing. Um, and I think they did, they probably took him there to play 10, 15 games um, for the season and then just be there the experience and talk the other centre half through it, gain that experience because Christensen um, and Zuma have got a lot of potential, but I think they probably need someone alongside them um, and can't really play together. So, yeah, I think has that has that ten games though become thirty plus now? Yeah, they're in a position where he is the he's their Van Dyke. Yeah, for me, for me, he's more important than Mendy. I think Mendy is obviously just really useful because he's not Kepa. <laughs> so um yeah. he he's just it's, it makes a massive difference having someone behind you that you can rely on. Um but yeah Thiago Silva's massive I think and um yeah he's 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 another one. He's a bit like Cavani he's in great shape. Automatically sort of <laughs> rule them out because they've come from the French league and some some people call that farmers league but I don't I, I don't know how true that is so um yeah I probably agree with John I think they're probably not quite there in terms of winning the league but I don't think they'd be too far off I think there's a slight argument as well with the these players having played in the French league and for, and for maybe a less strenuous PSG team or whatever life in in Paris um you know, does that actually extend your career a bit? Because you think about the intensity of the Premier League and if you're a 29-year-old a playing in the Premier League, you know, going into your early 30s, there probably is is more taxing if you're playing 38 games a season or 30-plus games a season versus, yeah, like maybe a slightly more luxurious, pampered uh, experience uh, for PSG. Um you know that that's something to consider that maybe these players are able to kind of um, have that slight, you know, more lo- longevity in their career because they're having a, a slightly easier easier time with it. Um, Greg, what was your your final thoughts then on um, on Spurs in that game? Jose more happy than Frank to to take away a point? Yeah, definitely. I think that's part of the game plan. I think. Um... Yeah, we, we did well. I think that defensively, well, Joe Roden, it was his, uh, not his debut, but his first full 90 minutes. He played really well. A couple of mistakes there, but he's young he and Welsh good. talent. He'll be solid. He'll be good. And um, yeah, Hugo Lloris, I think, doesn't get enough credit. That There was a couple of saves that he made that kept us in the game. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it makes me a little bit more confident in our defensive efforts than I have been on the podcast. But yeah, solid. Yeah, nice one. Um, so, uh, sorry to do it to you, John, but we'll quickly talk about We're Arsenal. We're running out of time. <laughs> quickly talk about Arsenal to, to kind of round off the pod today. Um, they came up against a good a good Wolves team. Um, you know, there's no shame in, in losing to Wolves. Um, but yeah, I mean, worst start to the season, I think. Yeah, I think so. Ever I in the Prem, so. is that right? No, no, no. It's since something like 1960-something. Yeah. I think someone mentioned it on Match of the Day, but I think if we lose North London derby, it will be. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're only you're only six points ahead of Fulham at this point. I know. I mean, Roy Keane. Uh, <laughs> Roy Keane hit the nail on that. I mean, I actually disagree with Roy Keane. I, 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 I'm not sure if we have enough to, to, to stay up. If, mm. if we are... Uh, <laughs> Playing the way we are, like if, if if things don't change dramatically, 
then yeah, I, I like you know I can see West Brom just creeping up on us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, look, I've got the hashtag Arteta out. I mean, I don't think I, I said the same thing last week. I'll say it again. He needs. I think what will will really be a turning point for him is if he wins a North London derby. If he wins a North London derby, buys him some credit, he can turn things around. Maybe the, the boys can get a lift um, and then, you know, they can pick up a few results, then maybe. But I just, me personally, I, I can't see it. <laughs> I can't yeah. see it. I think, I think my prediction is things are going to get, keep getting worse and worse and worse until um, he gets sacked. He won't be the first manager to get sacked after like winning a trophy. I mean, you look at um, Ranieri, you know, won the league and then got sacked. You know, it, it, it's it, it happens. Um, but something's something's not not quite right there. I don't know whether they get a chance in Christmas to um, after uh, Christmas to uh, repick their squad or is it is it? There? I'm not I'm not quite sure. Is that their squad for the for the season? But um, cause, um, he, has, he hasn't put Ozil in. I don't know whether that's going to change. And if, yeah. and if that isn't going to change, and he's not going to put him in, he needs to you know, get a January transfer in that's going to make some changes because at the moment, I don't think we're defensively strong enough to not concede. Um, so it wouldn't be as bad. Look, we're not, I mean, apart from the Villa game, we're not getting overrun and, and out pumped every single week. It's just we're not creating anything, which means the door's always ajar for oppositions to get a late goal, a goal before half time, And if we, we just... We just, I don't know if you, sorry for the rant. If you've been watching football for a long time, you remember Man United teams where, you know, there'd be five minutes to go, they'd be one nil down and they'd just be whipping in crosses left, right and centre. Yeah. There's this urgency. Arsenal used to have it as well, you know, uh, um, sort of thing. And, and I just, you know, Kieran Tierney with four minutes to go, you're playing it back to the goalkeeper and they're working it around. And I'm like, you do know you're losing 2-1, right? Like, and I just think there's no leaders there. In the, in the squad, there's no one there to be like, come on, Aubameyang just kind of trudging around, like he's not grabbing it. And I can't, I'm looking at our starting eleven, and even the players that are, I don't think are even having really a bad run of it at the moment, which is probably Saka. I don't see anyone who's going to change this within the players that we've got. The, play, the players that you start in, the subs he's bringing on, I can't see anybody changing this rot that we're, that we're in. So it's going to have to either come from him or it's going to have to come from a January transfer window, or, is, or maybe a youngster. Don't know why he doesn't just throw um, Smith Rowe in. You know, mm -hmm. he's a creative player. Or Balogun, because um, on Ketia, like I said, I, I'm not buying a ticket for that in Ketia raffle. I just don't, I don't think he's that good. Um, like, so, like, I don't know why he does. Yes, he's going to have to, he's going to have to do something. I don't know what he's going to have to do, but if he doesn't do something, I think he could get set by Christmas. If, he, if we keep losing the way we are, I'd want him out by christmas yeah yeah um tom do you think this is a year where managers are, are getting a bit more grace because of 100 conditions yeah. yeah yeah i think it's so difficult especially like not having a pre-season um you know the fixture congestion as well it's not the same for everyone but yeah it's so different as you know the i know we've discussed the impact of the fans as well uh, whether that's positive or negative and whether it takes the pressure off the the players a bit more or whether it's kind of puts them into a bit of a confused state because uh, it's not what they're used to. But yeah, there are, there are certainly differences either way. And uh, you've got, a, you know, I think a few weeks ago we said, you know, no, no managers are really even being talked about as like being one game away from the sack or, you know, a couple of bad results away from the sack. And I think that's definitely indicative of the current situation. Mm. Um you know, possibly, you know, with the exception of Arsenal on that is obviously why we're all talking about Arteta. Maybe there's no other teams that are really like un underperforming. Um, maybe United as well are kind of getting back to it. And we've talked about Solskjaer, but, you, you know, maybe, maybe for the most part, there isn't anyone apart from those two teams who are look looking that out of place. So maybe it's just by coincidence as well. But yeah, I think you'd expect a bit more patience from from club owners and fans uh but yeah just because of the way things are this season it's it's a complete outlier yeah i think as well not having a team running away on you know 29 points from 10 games or something like that also helps because actually ultimately arsenal were only uh eight points eight points off of first place 
um and yeah. you know in a in a in a in a normal season if you were eight points from the team at the top um at this point you might be in third or fourth place yeah um, i think earlier when you said uh about the liverpool result but you know it's terrible to drop any points and it feels like a loss but really that's only that's a rarity and it's mm. got, sort of been made to feel common by the last couple of seasons yeah, of City last Liverpool. Three seasons. but actually in a normal season you know you can yeah. draw away at brighton or drop a few points to i mean you know united united would win the win the league after they'd got like stuffed 6-3 by southampton back in the day yeah um you know these results do happen in a in a competitive league and it's only in the last couple of years that's made it seem like that's not the case yeah. so mm. yeah, yeah I, I think i think it's great i mean i'm i'm all up for that like it's nice to watch um you know as a, as a neutral on those games like a saturday lunchtime fixture liverpool brighton and, and not know who's going to win and and it, and you know being able to watch it and and the underdog snatch a result you know that, that's what we want from the premier league and um yeah i think it's uh as long as as long as one team doesn't run away with the premier league and get 100 points which i think mathematically i don't think any team can probably even get 100 points anymore um let me just do a quick maths on that uh 28 games to play uh they could probably just sneak it um but you'd have to win you'd have to win like every game remaining um what is that that's 84 plus 21 105 liverpool and spurs have dropped nine points each yeah and so they could get 105 points 100 yeah 114 is the most so yeah um yeah, you have to win every game yeah but I think uh, my point with arsenal is they're not playing <laughs> they don't look they're not playing well i think yeah. if we were playing well and we'd still got the results that we had and you know we were like there's been seasons where we've like hammered a team or had like 25 shots and still lost i'd rather that than what we're playing now it's just i watched like i i put a message on the chat like i watched like the first half and i just thought i can't i can't i can't watch anymore like and that's how i'm watching arsenal now a lot of arsenal fans are saying the mm -hmm. same thing it's just not it doesn't look like arsenal and i get it you know chelsea spent some spent some money bought some good players liverpool squad's fantastic city even even spurs you'd, you'd accept you know, maybe finishing fifth, but you'd kind of just want a bit more entertainment um, from from the club, from the from the players, and it just they just look direct, like bereft of ideas, um, and they're just not playing well, and and it just it's just like you're watching it, and it's like and it just looks so inevitable that we're not going to win this game, like we're not we're creating what two shots, you know, four shots a game, none on target. It's just poor, really, really poor to watch. Yeah. That's my only that's the only reason why and I do think you guys are right. Um people will managers are getting a little bit more credit because of the COVID situation. But I think the reason why I think Arsenal fans will start to sort of bang that door a little bit earlier is because of the performances. If we were if we had the performances but not the results, you could say, yeah, you know, it's a process, you know, COVID. But we're not getting the results and the performances have just been dreadful mm. okay all right let's do a really quick uh social media roundup uh i'll throw to uh i don't know i'll decide when i'm doing it um so this is the social media roundup for btf 59 first up on the show today we talked about jürgen klopp's post-match interview with des kelly um greg i'm going to come to you on this one um we're back to the same old argument five subs or not and also do broadcasters kind of have an influence on uh player fatigue and injuries at this point five subs is ridiculous we've discussed it before on the podcast make sure to go and check it out on youtube and twitch um and yeah Klopp needs to sort of go over himself a little bit tom do you agree with that <laughs> there'd be a side eye there five subs i agree with and the rest We'll stand by your man. Stand by <laughs> your man. Um, next up, we spoke about the Manchester United game. Obviously, the, the three-two, um, you know, blockbuster as it was. Um, this game was overshadowed um, by a an Instagram post by Edinson Cavani. Um, we had a pretty level conversation about this and um, discussed whether it's an, an educational thing and, and whether Cavani um, should receive any kind of retrospective um ban for this um john i'll come to you on on this one um what was your thoughts on on the situation i know you didn't see the post 
straight away, but having talked about it on the pod, what's your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think um, education would probably be best. You know, he's, a, he's an international, he's a, a foreign player coming to uh, a different country. Um, and I think that um, education would probably be the best um, way forward to, for for him to understand what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Um, the context shows that it wasn't done in a malicious way. So, yeah, that's what I would like to see. But you never know with the FA. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I should mention we're also joined on this podcast by the wonderful Neil Jolliffe uh, for his debut show. And uh, John Aldinho is returning with us from Springfield uh, for what we think is your third or fourth show. We couldn't quite work it out. Third? Third show, John Aldinho? Yeah, I think so. Third. Yeah, third show. Yeah. Um, so, John Aldinho, you're a Chelsea fan. Were you happy with the uh, nil-nil result at Stamford Bridge? No, we should have won. Um, but it's what it is. The classic Mourinho tactics so yeah it's all good okay well we'll leave that at that and then finally Neil I'm coming to you um on Arsenal as as none of us kind of got a, a word in edgeways um over John Miller during the actual show which you can go back and watch on uh, YouTube or Twitch but um is is Arteta in trouble at, at Arsenal at the moment is he kind of at, at risk of, of losing his job thank you potentially is uh getting in the way of the old dreaded vote of confidence, uh, which could be coming pretty soon. But um, I think this is quite... Arsenal haven't been great in probably the last four or five games, and John's a lot more um, qualified to answer this question than me. But I always thought that Arteta's, you know, got a bit of a plan and it might take a while to implement. So I would give him a bit more time. Um, I think I would, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be much happier than if I was a United fan with the PE teacher. So... Um, I yeah, I'd probably stick with him for a little bit longer. Um, I'm a bit unsure why. Like, I haven't seen a lot of Arsenal, but I'm a bit unsure as to why he's changed it. Because he used to have with three at the back, it looked a lot better. Um, I know that was the back end of last season with David Luiz. I, I, you can't play David Luiz in a two for me, but um, I like him in a three. So yeah, not sure what's happening there. Yeah. Uh, final point, John is AFTV. Are they on his back? Uh, mixed. The same sort of thing as me. They're a bit uh, mixed. They're a bit like something. It's a, it's more like kind of my tone. Something needs to change very soon. I'm talking the next three to four games. Otherwise, yeah. we will get cut adrift in a season where we have an opportunity to win to get in the top yeah. four. An yeah. Opportunity, and I think if we don't. If we blow that opportunity, uh, where people are dropping points left, right, and centre, I think the fans will. They'll be they'll be quite disappointed. Yeah, and it it doesn't help. Does it? Derby. If we can win the yeah. North London Derby, I think that that puts a lot of credit in the bank. Yeah, I was going to say it doesn't help having uh, those uh, noisy neighbours uh, top of the league. So that is the social media roundup for BTF fifty nine. Please do check us out on Spotify, iTunes, all good podcast providers, also Twitch and YouTube. Cool, right, guys, that is the show for this week. Um, run over probably by about five minutes on the hour, but uh, a good one, good one. Everyone enjoy it. All good. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, uh, thanks for watching and uh, we'll see you all uh, same place, same time next week.